Well, hey, this morning we are continuing along a series that we have been on the last couple of weeks, and so we'll jump into that here in just a minute. But I want to take just a moment and welcome everybody here, whether you're in the room or if you're online. So thankful that you're joining us today. And uh, so, uh, how many of you enjoyed last week with Miss Debbie? Man, that was incredible, wasn't it? And uh, so I would encourage you, if you know somebody that's raising some babies, you might want to share that with them. And uh, so you can share the YouTube, you can share it on the Church Center app, you can do it different ways. But uh, we have lots of resources available throughout this series each week. We've been adding, uh, we have a Google Doc that we've been adding resources to it. So there'll be a QR code here on the screen in just a moment. You can either scan that QR code and it'll take you. So every week it's just a single document, but there's resources for week one, week two. There's resources for today as well. Um, and so these are anything from websites to podcasts to books to you name it. Uh, just to help give you some resources to equip you to be able to put into action some of what we're uh, sharing with you each week. And, uh, and so that's available. It's also available on your church center app if you go to the the bottom of the when you open your app at the bottom center there's a little thing that says family matters if you click on that it'll also take you directly to that link as well and so i just encourage you to utilize the resources they're there for you to use and uh and so we have that and now today well next week we'll be talking about blended families uh, and so the you know and so the goal of this series is not just to help you in whatever season of life you may find yourself in the goal is to actually so that we can help other people that find themselves in all of these situations. Because I realize you may be in here, you may say, hey, man, I don't have kids, but you know people that do. You may say, hey, I'm not a single parent, but you know somebody who is. And so the whole goal is to put resources into blessed people. And so that is part of what we're doing throughout this series. And so today um, we're specifically talking about single parenting. Um, and so I'm going to add a, an element to this, which is uh, I, I see many times in our society is that many grandparents are raising and grandbabies. How many of you know that? And maybe not completely, but they're helping a lot even in that. And, and so uh, a lot of the things that I'm going to share today are not just applicable to um, single parents. I believe that they are universal. And so you may say, well, this doesn't apply to me at all. Like I don't, I'm not married. I don't have kids. I don't even know when I'll have kids, all these things. There's what I say. And then there's what the Holy Spirit can speak to your heart. And he may take one phrase, one thought, one something. He may talk to you about something totally different than what I'm even talking about this morning. There may be things I say, and it's like that hits the nail right on the head. And you're like, man, that's for me. That, I needed to hear that today. But there may be something else that, uh, that the Lord would just speak to you. And I've had this happen in many different ways in services um, where I go. And the thing is, is that you've carved out this space to create some time for God to move in your life. And so uh, I believe that God's going to speak to you this morning, even as we're kind of jumping into these things. And so uh, I know Philip had mentioned these things, but I just want to reiterate it as well. Um, if you're a single parent specifically, and this is for people in the room today, everybody say today. Right now, like before you leave today, we have a special time that uh, we have some people who have volunteered just to help watch your kids so you can get a break. Any single parents that sounds good to, and, uh, you know, every now and then you just need some me time. And, uh, and so we have that. And then also as well with the projects around your home, there may be some things that you're just not able to either get to for time, or maybe you just need somebody that has a different skill set than you do. We would love the opportunity to serve you. And so you can sign up for both those out there at the info or out there at the table where you should have gotten, um, a ticket this morning for our drawing at the end of service today. And so uh, but this morning, I want to share some things about uh, just a few things that the Lord dropped in my heart um, concerning single parenting. And you say, you know, 
how, do, how am I qualified to, to speak on single parenting because I'm not one? Um, I will tell you this, is that my oldest sister is a single mom or was a single mom. She's no longer. She's been remarried. Um, but I've always had an, and I don't know if it's because of that or um, what, but I've always had a real soft spot for single moms, single dads, single parents, um, and specifically with their kids, probably because I was a youth pastor for a decade. And I've always had, a, especially with young men who didn't have a dad. Um, that's just always been, um, I, I don't know why, my heart has just always gravitated to those young men. Uh, and one of those young men, some of you will know who this is, but my friend who is here in January, Terrence, is a son of a single mom. And she did a phenomenal job raising him. And, uh, and so it is possible that even as a single parent to raise good, godly kids and to even raise strong kids. And so there's some things that I want to share with you today that I believe the Lord put in my heart uh, specifically for you. So today my tone is more targeted towards those of you who may be raising babies by yourself. And I'm going to challenge some things today. Uh, really three lies of the enemy that I believe that he tries to tell you. And so I'm going to tell you three lies. I'm going to give you three truths. Uh, you know, maybe you ever heard of the game Three Truths and a Lie? I mean, somebody was, I was talking with somebody the other day and they were laughing about that and joking with me. And, but I, I want to just kind of really expose three lies that I believe that uh, cha- really challenge single parents. And what happens with a lie is you have to either receive it or reject it. And that's the way that a lie works. But if you don't reject it, you automatically by default will receive it. And you'll begin to believe it. And, and so... You know, and, and so why do I, why am I calling these things lies? Because that's what they are, number one. But just because something may be factual, in other words, it may be a fact, like I have blue eyes, right? I mean, there are some things in life, it's cool out today. That's a fact. But just because something may be factual doesn't mean that it's the truth, right? And, and so I want to challenge some things today, just three thoughts that I believe the enemy will whisper into your ear to try to get you to believe it so that he can get you discouraged, he can get you frustrated, he can get you to want to throw in the towel. Because why? The enemy wants your kids. And I don't care if you're a single parent, if you're a, a two-parent home, the enemy wants our kids. Why? Because that's, that is not just the future, although it is, it's also the now. And if he can get them now, then he's got a head start on the future. And so I want to challenge some things with this. And so let me just give you an example of this from uh, scriptures in John chapter 8, verse 44. Jesus is actually talking to the Pharisees. He's making an accusation against them. But he shifts gears and basically says, hey, you're just like your father, the devil. And then he says this. He says he has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. It says when he lies, it's consistent with his character for he is a liar and he's the father of all lies. So how do you know that the devil's lying? Because he's talking. Like, the, I've never had the devil come to me and be like, you're a mighty man of God. I've had him come to me and say, you're worthless. You're incompetent. You're not enough. And, there's, and so you can always tell the enemy because there's an accusation. The Bible actually calls him as, as a description. He's the accuser of the brethren. In other words, he, he's throwing darts. And man, he's trying to get them to stick. This is his nature, and so even as, and so what happens though is that when we buy into these lies, they begin to form a belief. It's one thing, you know, that that a thought can come. It's another thing when I grab hold of it and say that's true. And here's the thing about a lie: when I believe it to be true for me, it's true. I'm not enough. I, I don't have. I can't do this. 
and all of those things. And, and so, but what happens is, is that, um, and so, but belief actually begins to stir up our faith. How many of you know that faith is not neutral? Faith actually is positive or negative. It's like money. Money is not evil. It's what you do with it. Where your faith can go into action in one of two ways. It can go in the positive or it can go in the negative. And your faith is what you believe. And so the lie comes and then that forms a belief and your belief begins to what? Form your faith and your faith goes into action to produce what you believe. That's the way this works. And so, you know, and so we have to be careful what we buy into. What we really believe like in our core. Because you can quote scripture and not believe it in your heart. You can know it here, but not truly believe it here. I mean, I can tell you the right things to do, but it's a different thing for me to do it. And many times, how many of you have found it's a lot easier to give somebody else advice than yourself? It's like, man, things are so clear when it's somebody else. Like, how can you not see this? Right? I mean, because we all have blind spots. We all have things. That's one reason we need community. And so the, the, the reality is, is that truth transforms. The truth of, and what is truth? I mean, that's kind of a subject in our, in our culture. Well, the word of God is true. Well, I don't like the word of God. There are parts of it that I don't like. But it doesn't change that it's true. Because what have I found? I found that when I walk in the ways of scripture that it proves itself out even when I don't like it. And so truth really will transform and it. It will activate, when we allow God's truth to come in, it will activate our faith in a positive way. John 8, 32 says this, is that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And some of you parents today need some freedom because you're weighed down, you're heavy, you've got a lot of birds. And as I've been praying this week for you, this is, what I've, this is just what I've sensed in my heart is just the pressure, the weight and it's just there. You know, and I'm believing that even as, as the truth of God's word comes about in your heart, I believe that it will produce some things. And so I have to challenge some beliefs, not just behaviors. Why? Because we, we can change behavior, but it doesn't change us at the core level. But yet the Bible says that God wants to transform us at a core level. And so we have to challenge some beliefs. We have to challenge some of the lies. And so, you know, we can't just have... A behavioral change and expect it to stick. We have to have belief changes. That's why New Year's resolutions don't work. Why? Because it's, we're trying to modify behavior versus a belief. Like I'll, I'll, I'll use the easy one that everybody knows about. Everybody knows that we should probably be in better physical shape. I know that. But if I don't believe it, I ain't going to the gym. Why? Because I just know it. But if I had an actual belief, that belief would actually cause me to do something. And so many times is that we get struck, we struggle trying to fix behaviors instead of actually identifying the real uh, root behind it. And so, uh, you know, I believe that, that we have to challenge these things. And so Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So in other words, let me give you what, I'm, what, what I believe this is talking about. Is that you will live up to the picture that you see of yourself. If you believe you're broken, you're right. If you believe you're a failure, you're right. Why? Because that's your target. I mean, I like to snowboard, right? And they always tell you, skiing, snowboard, whatever. And you can play golf. You can do this to anything. The, the thing you don't want to do is don't say, don't hit the tree, don't hit the tree, don't hit the tree. Because guess where you're headed? For the tree. 
Because you're focused on the tree when you should be focused on the path. Right? And so we have to, we have to change and allow the Lord to help us to change how we see ourselves. And so I want to expose a couple of lies today. Uh, three of them specifically. And so this is the first one. We're just going to kind of jump in. And again, some of these are a little universal. Some of these maybe not as much. But this one here is, I believe, the first one. Is that you're all alone. You've got nobody to help you. You've got nobody to help you figure this thing out. You're all alone. And if we were honest, I believe that many of us believe this. You know, I, I can remember even in my own life being surrounded by people... Friends, family, having a great time and yet feeling completely isolated. And I I just felt alone even though I'm with a crowd of people. And you can have people around you and yet feel completely by yourself, left to just figure it out on your own. And and so, and I understand is that nobody signs up for this role. I mean, many of you would probably say, I never thought this would be me. And I understand that. But if you're not careful, you will actually just buy into the lie that you're alone now. You have no help. No one's there to come alongside of you. And so the enemy will isolate you to get an advantage over you. Why? Because you've bought into a lie that you're alone. Now, I understand you may not have a, a, somebody else in your home, a spouse in your home to help you raise these children. But the facts are is that you're not alone. And, and so, you know, and, and let me just let me say a few things here. Is that you can look at your past and allow those things to determine the way you're going to approach your future. Or you can choose to begin making decisions to move your family forward. You've got to stop looking back. You've got to start looking forward. And, and so and, and here's, the, here's just another truth about this. It's not so much about the, the alone thing. But I believe that there's a burden that comes with this. Is that when you feel like you're alone, you also feel the weight to be mom and dad. You feel the burden and like it sets in and it hits like I've got to be all things at all times, 24 hours a day. Like my kids need everything and I've got to give them everything and I've got to be everything to them. But the reality is, is that you were never created to be both mom and dad. It's an unrealistic burden to allow the enemy to put on you. And yet you feel the pressure. And one of the things that I want to say this is that you can't do everything, but you can do what matters most for your kids. And that's an important part. You can't do it. I can't do everything for my kids, but I can do the things that matter the most. And so, like, let me give you an example of what this looks like is that is that our prayer should no longer be that I just be a better mom or a better dad to my kids. My prayer should actually be your prayer should actually be is that God would love your kids through you. God, help me to love my kids the way that you want to love them. That's the most important thing, because their relationship with you forms their view of God. And if you will love them well the way that he is desired for them to experience love, then you will actually feel their greatest need. They don't need more stuff. I've seen many parents, single parents, both parents, where they want to give their kids everything out of guilt. Maybe you work too much, so you buy them stuff to make up for your time. Maybe you're a single parent. It's like, man, if their dad was here, their mom was here, this wouldn't be like this. And so I need to overspend and I need to to overcompensate for what I believe they're lacking. And so many times those insecurities will feed in. And so we'll do things that even in our mind we know aren't wise to do. Like I'll spend money that I don't have 
because, and, and we'll get into this here in a moment, into another lie, but here's the truth. Well, let me say this real quick. And last week I said this, but it's worth repeating. Is that you always have to remember is that God loves your kids more than you do. He really does. Is that kids are entrusted to us for a season, but they're really not ours. They're his. And he has entrusted them to us like stewards that we're to help what? Guide them, mold them, shape them in the wisdom of God. But at the end of the day, God loves our kids more than we do. And so even the idea that I have to be all things to them, first off, it's not true. Nobody can be everything for anybody. But yet we'll buy into those lies. Many people get married thinking that like, oh, if I just get a spouse, they're going to make me happy. And I laugh. I'm like, that's cute. That's so cute. Let me talk to you in six months. Let's see how you are on the I'm complete scale. And sometimes people have kids thinking that. Well, you know, if we just have kids, it'll make it'll give us a family. And it's like, no, that just multiplies your your problems. Like, you know, I mean, it's just true. But many times is that even as parents, we want to do these things. So here's the truth for you. If the lie is you're all alone, here's the reality. The truth is that you have a community that's with you and around you that wants to help you. You have friends. You have family. You have a church family. You have people that want to help you. Here's the hardest thing about this. Sometimes you're going to have to ask for help. Because people want to. And look, and I say this, that's like that's probably one of the most hypocritical statements for me to say because I hate asking for help. But sometimes you just need help. And here's what I found is that many times we wait until we're like almost drowning to say help. And then we get frustrated because people can't help us because we waited to the very, how about you plan it and say, hey, could I just, whoever, can the come, kids come and Stay with you for a couple hours. I just need some time. I just need some quiet time. Like I, one of the things that I've noticed even with Dara is that she's more musical than me. But when she gets in the car, there's no music playing. Because she needs some quiet space in the car. I'm playing my music and doing my thing. And she's like, nope, I just need some quiet. And so you have people around you. And that's the truth. But the, And here's one of the things about the enemy. I've said this, but even in the language, you want to know how you can identify the difference if you're speaking or the enemy speaking? It's real simple. It's a verbiage. You, you're alone. You're messed up. You're the problem. There's an accusation versus I've got issues. Like that's you thinking that. But when there's an accusation, that's the enemy talking to you. And yet the truth is, is that you have people around you to help. Now, let me just speak to this as well in this, because I think it's important just to touch on this, is the whole co-parenting thing. How do you approach co-parenting? I mean, you know, at one time, you like this person enough to get with them, to be with them, to be married to them. And so what you have to do, if at all possible, I'm not saying this is always possible, and I'll give you scripture for this. It's possible to co-parent successfully, even if you guys don't agree on, in, on much of anything. You can be totally different. But as far as you are concerned, you need to do everything in your power. Now, I will say there are some exceptions. There's an exception to every rule. There are some people that you may have had life with and you have a child with now that you're like, they're the worst influence. 
And that, there are, I'll say it this way, there are some more extreme cases where it's like, hey, yeah, they don't need an influence in your kid's life. But I can't tell you how many times I've sat down with, with men, women, teenagers, whatever, and they have no idea who their earthly father is and the void or their earthly mother is for that matter. And the void that that leaves. And so the, the, the goal is that, hey, there would be a relationship if possible. Now, this is assuming that the other person, people, are willing to play nice. And sometimes you're going to have to have some grown-up conversations. And you're like, but they ain't grown up. You may need to get somebody to mediate. I mean, if, if, go to counseling. Go sit down with a counselor and let them mediate between you. Why? Because your kids are worth it. And figure out a way that both sides can be a part of the family. If, if they will. It's not always possible. Romans 12, 17 says this. It's to never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone sees that you're honorable. It says, if at all possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If at all possible. Which means it's not always possible. And some people you can't, you just can't. And so you don't want to bring toxic people into your kids' lives. I, I agree. But it does say here that as a believer is that we're never to pay evil, but we're also supposed to, to do things in such an honorable way. And my encouragement to you, if at all possible, is to never speak about your children's other parent from a negative perspective. Why? Because you have the love of God on the inside of you. And even when you can't, the love of God will rise up on the inside of you because your kids don't need to hear you trash their parent. And I don't care how bad they deserve it. And you're like, you have no idea what you're talking about. If I told you the story of one of my sister's husbands, really two of them, she's been married, this is on her third marriage, I married them. And her first two were terrible. Like this is, I, I, one of them, just, I, I just want to give you some, some, some understanding of where I'm coming from. I was sort of saved. And I was walking down my driveway with a baseball bat to go knock on one of their doors. And my thought was, when he cracks that door, I'm swinging. That's 100% true. That was number one. Number two, I was in Kansas, 11 hours away. And I got a phone call about some things going on. And I was ready to get in the car right then and drive 11 hours to go get in a fight. Now, I'm not even a fighter. So when I say I do have some understanding, I really do. And I've, I've seen the effects of it, and I've also seen the effects of, of a good step-parent. My brother-in-law today is phenomenal. He loves my nieces. My sister has two daughters that are not his. He's phenomenal with them. Unbelievable. God sent. 
So just because you're alone today doesn't mean that's the way it always is. And so, but we have to get to a place, again, going back, is it, and I, you know, I'm about to make a hypocrite say, never pay back evil for more evil. I was ready to. <laughs> Hello. Good to see you again. Now, is that right? No. And I had to calm down. And the second one, I was 11 hours away. And I'm like, I need to go talk to Jesus. Because I'm about ready to just do something really stupid. And what's crazy was, as I began to pray for them, my whole heart began to change. So when I'm talking about this, I'm telling you something I've actually done. I went from being just borderline in a rage going all the way to being compassionate and, and genuinely praying for a person in the span of about 30 minutes. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's not natural. And I genuinely was praying from a place of compassion. Trust me, my flesh was not there. But as I began to pray and ask the Holy Spirit for help, He began to help me so that I wouldn't do something crazy stupid. So, lie number one, you're, you're alone. The truth is, is that no, you're not. You do have people around you. You do. Here, here's the second lie that I believe the Lord dropped in my heart this week. Is that, uh, that the enemy will tell you is that your kids are at a disadvantage. Your kids are at a disadvantage. And he'll tell you that a lot. Well, like, oh, well, they wouldn't do this and they wouldn't do that. Look, I've met many kids who have both parents in their home that are more jacked up than your kids at your house. Trust me. But the enemy wants you to believe that your kids are just, they're kind of up a creek without a paddle. And they, the enemy wants you to believe this. And, and so, and that kind of leads into that, why we'll overcompensate sometimes. Because we think we have to make up for something that our kids had no choice in and they're lacking. And, and so we try to make up where they lost. But this is the truth is that we have to trust the Lord to make up in the areas that we lack. We really do. Because here's the truth, is that if God is for them, who and what can be against them? I could tell you story after story after story of young people that I knew that have grown up in a single parent home, but they are doing phenomenally well today. And we see it all the time. We hear it in culture, but even inside of the church, I, I, I know many people who have grown up in a home where there was one parent, but yet God has worked, God has moved. And so the, one of the most important things that you can do is to teach your kids how to follow God. Even in the midst of adversity, even in the midst of things that are challenging, even in things that are hard, is that you always want to lead them back to the Lord. Why? Because when they have Him, they, they have no disadvantage. God can make up anything that's lacking. God will lead, you know, just use this as an example. I grew up in a home that had two parents, but yet I had coaches who were unbelievably influential in my life. One specifically, when I was in high school, I'm convinced to this day, he's one of the primary reasons that I got saved. He never talked to me about Jesus. He never did anything necessarily to like, you know, but I, I saw him and I'm like, that's a man of God. And I knew, and I just knew it and I respected him. And out of my respect for him, it began me along part of the journey of when I, my life, when my heart was really getting softened. And God used him to soften my heart. Because my heart was pretty hard. To the church, to the ways of God. Just I, I was, you know, I, I told somebody recently, I wasn't just like not a Christian. I was like anti-Christian. 
And yet through one of my baseball coaches, like just being who he was, I saw God in him. And it did something in my heart. And so, God, if you're teaching your kids and, and, and really uh, helping them really by example that you're trusting in God, that you're believing God for things, you teach them how to do that. And now their faith isn't in you to figure it out. Their faith is just like yours, is in the Lord to provide, the Lord to come through, the Lord to bring in the right relationship. So Romans 8, 31 and 32 says this, If God is for us, who could ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up, gave up himself or gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? If God didn't spare Jesus for your salvation and the salvation of your kids, how much more will he not take care of your kids? Why? Because he loves them more than you do. He cares for them. He watches over them more than you, more than I do. And so here's the truth is that so many times we can get caught up in just natural things and and thinking that we got to provide the natural stuff. Well, my kid doesn't have what all the other kids have. Who cares? You don't know the limitation that may actually shape your kid's future that God's going to use in them to actually propel them forward. Because what looks like a deficit, God goes, no, I'm going to work in their weakness and they're going to learn to trust me in that and then I'm going to use it for my purpose. God didn't bring the fallout of the relationship to bring it into your kid's life. But God says, I will take what the enemy has intended to harm them and I'm going to turn it about and I'm going to use it for their good and I'm going to use it for my purpose. What the enemy thought he got the upper hand on, God's going to say, yeah, you think you got the upper hand, but the story's not done yet. Just wait. See, the most important things that we're going to leave into our kids or leave for them are not stuff, not things. It's going to be what we put in them that matters the most. It's the intangible things. It's the spirit of faith, the spirit of trusting in God, of following after him, regardless of the circumstances. So don't think that we're limited by our own resources. No, God is faithful. God will watch out for you. So the second lie is, your kids are at a disadvantage. The truth is, is that if God's for them, nobody can get in their way. The opportunities are limitless. If you'll just trust God and believe, He will open incredible doors. I mean, I've said it many times that one moment of favor will do more than a lifetime of hustle. And it's true. And especially for those of you that this is like you feel this way, you need to change your prayer and start saying, Father, I just thank you. My kids have favor everywhere that they go. People like my kids and don't even know why. I thank you that their gift makes room for them and brings them before great people. Why? That's confessing the word of God over my kids. And if you'll respond to the lie of the enemy, it will activate your faith to begin to believe God that he can do more than you can ever do. And so, man, we've got to be proactive about this. Here's the third lie. Is that you can't do this. You don't have what it takes. If your kids only knew how messed up you were, if they, all the, the thoughts that come, like you're not capable. But here's the truth. Because the enemy's going to tell you that. The truth is, is that you're stronger than you know. Even when you feel weak. Because you will feel weak. We all do. It's a universal truth. 
We all are going to feel weak. How can I say that? Because the Bible says is that God is with you. Multiple times in the New Testament, the promise is, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never abandon you. Proverbs says it this way, is that Jesus will be the friend who sticks closer than any other friend. Now, sometimes we can get caught up in the thing, well, I don't feel God's presence. Okay, but by faith, I have a promise that he said he would never leave me. The Amplified Bible adds that I will not leave you without aid, support, and resources. In other words, I'm not going to leave you helpless. That's the promise you have from Scripture. That's the promise, the truth from God's Word to you. See, we we see this in the life of Jesus with Mary. She played a massive, pivotal role in the life of Jesus. You're like, yeah, but Joseph was there at 12. That's the last time we hear of Jesus, or of of Joseph in Jesus' life, at the temple when he's 12. When we... There's 18 years of silence, basically, from 18 to 30 that we don't hear about Jesus' life. We don't really know any of the details. The Bible doesn't give us insight into that. All we know is the Bible says in Luke 2.52 is that he grew in wisdom and, and favor with both God and man. That's what we know. It's kind of obscure, but okay. So Jesus grew up. But he had favor with people. Just an interesting fact, by the way. Is that at 12, Jesus said, hey, I'm ready. I I need to be about my father's business. And Mary says, no, you're not. Come home. And Jesus went home. The next time we see Jesus is at the wedding of Cana. They run out of wine. Mary comes to Jesus. Hey, they're out of wine, which was culturally a very, it was very embarrassing. We'll say it that way. Something you, you didn't provide, you didn't prepare, all these things. And Jesus, Mary goes to Jesus and Basically, the reverse happens. Jesus says, hey, it's not my time. I love this. In the way, and I just see it in my mind. Mary, in a way that only a mother can do, totally ignores Jesus. I don't know if you ever noticed this. She completely ignores what he just said. And says, it's not my time. And looks at the guy's with him and says, hey, just do whatever he tells you to do. And then I believe she just walks off. <laughs> Is that not a mom thing to do? So let me just give you a, 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 what I believe is true in Scripture. Is it 12, Mary actually speaks to Jesus, hey, it's not time. It's not time for you to do what, what God has for you. Which means that she knew. She had discernment into the seasons and, and the time. My mom did this for me when I was 18. Because I was like, I'm called to the ministry. I've been saved six months. I know exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> and she actually used these verses that I'm sharing with you today. And she said, David, I think you need to go to to school, to college. I'm like, but that ain't what God has for me. You guys are so unspiritual. (laughs) Y'all need to go pray. That is kind of how I felt, honestly. But I honored my mom, which by the way, kids, there's a promise attached with that. Let me just take a moment. How many teenagers are in the room? Lift up your hands. Come on, don't be shy. Y'all ain't shy. Let me give you a little wisdom from Scripture today. The Bible gives you the instruction to honor your father and your mother, for it's the first commandment with a promise that you will live long and well. So my my mama Sue's rendition of that was, you can live short and miserable or long and well. (laughs) 
you choose. That's that, you know, that was the home I grew up in, you know. That was the way that my mom would talk. She'd be like, you're choosing right now. And I'm thankful that I listened to her even when I was 18. Because what my mom was doing was kind of echoing what Mary did with Jesus. Hey, it's not time. But then at 30, Jesus says, hey, it's not my time. And she's like, yeah, whatever. It's time. Which tells me that Jesus, because even the Bible, if you go read the account, it says that when Jesus turned the water into wine, it says this began the miracles that Jesus would perform. His ministry started when she said. And I believe he was unaware of the timing of it. And so as parents, and so, but we have to have the help of the Lord to do this. But in many ways, Mary was probably a single mom for a portion of Jesus' life. We don't know how long. But even while Jesus is hanging on the cross, who did he take care of? One person, Mary. To take care of my mom. And that was, you go read the scriptures. I mean, can you imagine being a mom, seeing your son hanging on a cross? Like I, I, the Bible tells us that he was unrecognizable as a human being. I mean, I, I can't begin to fathom putting myself into her shoes. And the strength that it had to have taken for her. But yet she had an understanding and a knowing on the inside of her. And I'm here to tell you is that the enemy wants to convince you that you're not strong enough to do this. That you're going to mess it up. You're going to mess up your kids. The cards are stacked against them and they're not. You can do this. Not only do you have community around you, which is important... But you also have almighty God, which means he has all power and all ability and all authority. He has everything that you need to effectively raise your kids. Now, maybe not just completely by yourself, but he will bring people around you. But but there's this element that God will help you to raise them up. He really will. And and, and so we see this. And so here's my encouragement. Like, well, Well, how do I trust the Lord? My last scripture for you today. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says that we're to cast all of our cares. The Amplified Bible adds this. It's the weights and the worries. We have to cast them all on the Lord once and for all. Is it again, God is mindful and God is watching over your kids. And it says here that we're to cast all of our cares on him. For he cares about you with the deepest affection. And he carefully watches over you very carefully. So before you're a mom or a dad today, you're a child of God that he loves, that he cares for, that he's watching over. And some of you have so identified as just being a parent that you've forgotten how much God loves you, how much he cares for you as an individual. Before your mama, before your daddy, you're God's child. And here the Bible says that we're to take all of our weights, all of our worries, and we're to cast them on him once and for all. In other words, let it go. Just say, God, this is where I'm at, but I'm giving you my, the pressure. I'm giving you the weight. I'm giving you this heaviness. 
Matthew 11 says this, is that if you're weary and heavy laden, come to Jesus. He goes, and I'll teach you how to rest. The message translation says, I'll teach you the unforced rhythms of grace. God's not forcing anything on us, but he does have something for us. But we have to receive it. And so I want you to hear that today. Is that you have to receive the love of God for you. Is that don't get lost just trying to raise your kids that you forget that you have a heavenly father who's watching over you. He's attentive to you. He cares about you and he loves you. Because it's easy to try to, to, to just get into the role of, man, I'm just trying, to, just trying to survive. I'm just trying to make it. But again, the most important thing you can do for your kids is to have a, a, a connection with God. Because that, you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. And you can teach your kids to do all the right things, say all the right things. They can be the most well-behaved kids. But if they're devoid of a relationship with God, that's the greatest, that's the greatest disadvantage they'll ever have in life. It really is. So we need to have that. Whether we're a single parent, whether we're a parent, whether we're just part of a family, is that we need to lead by example. Just like I talked about with that coach. He never expressly said anything to me, but yet he was a great influence in my life. And so you may be here today. And I'm going to ask you just to take a step of faith. I, I really don't want to embarrass you today. I really don't. That's not my intention. But if you're here this morning and you happen to find yourself being a single parent, I don't want to embarrass you, but I do want to pray for you. And I'm going to ask you just to stand up where you are. Look, I do not want to embarrass you. That is not my intention. But I want to know who all I'm praying with today. And so if you're a single parent, I'm going to ask you just to stand up where you are. Because I believe that there's grace for you. I believe that there's a weight that the enemy has tried to put on you. But the Bible says that the anointing of God will destroy the work of darkness. That heaviness, that just the, the pressure that you're under. I believe that in the presence of God, all those things can be broken. And that that weight can be replaced with the grace and the goodness of God. And many of you probably feel like, man, I have so failed at this. But I want you to hear me today is that God has grace for you. God's grace is his ability to work on your behalf. God's grace is his ability to make up in the areas where you can't make up. And so I want to pray specifically over you today. Thank you for having the courage to stand. I know that you're like, this is so embarrassing. Why would you do this to me? I'm sorry. But I do love you. And I want God's best for you. And so I want to pray. Would you all just stretch your hands towards these? And we're going to pray for them this morning. Father, I just thank you right now. For every one of these who are standing, Father, I thank you for the weight that rests upon them. Father, I thank you that you're greater than the weight. You're greater than the pressure. You're greater than the lies of the enemy. And Father, I thank you that your truth is piercing through the darkness. It's piercing through the lies. And Father, I thank you that that weight is being replaced with your grace. Father, I thank you. Father, that you are so good and you're so loving and you're so kind. Father, I thank you before they were ever a parent, they were yours. So Father, I thank you that you're reminding them today. Father, that you see them that you're aware of them, that, Father, that you have uh, grace and goodness to give each one of them. So, Father, I thank you right now by your anointing, by your spirit. Father, I thank you that you're just ministering to each one of these, whatever their greatest need is right now. 
Father, I thank you that you're giving them wisdom. You're giving them uh, ideas that they need. Giving them understanding. Father, you're giving them provision. You're opening up doors. Father, I just speak favor over them. Father, they may not have signed up for this task, but Father, they're here. But Father, I thank you that you don't run when things get hard, but you run to us when things get hard. So Father, I just think we take authority over all the lies of the enemy right now. Father, that he is a liar. That nothing that he says is true. Nothing that he has can carry weight. But Father, I thank you right now it's broken in the name of Jesus. So Father, I thank you today for ministering to these who are standing, but Father, also ministering to to us. Father, your goodness and grace is available to every single one of us today. So Father, I just thank you for who you are, what you desire to do for us and in us. Father, we give you honor and praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, can I just say something to you guys that are standing real quick? For what it's worth, I'm proud of you. As your pastor, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for fighting for your kids. I'm fighting for you, or I'm proud of you for, for being willing to have the stick to itness enough to not give up, to keep your kids in church, to, to lead by example, not by perfection. But I, I genuinely, I'm proud of you. It's not an easy task that, that you've been given, that, that has been laid upon your shoulders. But thank you for having the courage to lead, to love, to work hard, to do all the things that you do, all the things that nobody knows about. If no one else tells you, thank you. If you're here and you happen to be in a single parent home, my encouragement to you, and some of you are grown, and this may apply to you still, but maybe you're in the house of a single parent. Maybe you're a teenager in here today, or maybe you're a grown parent or a grown adult today, but yet you still have things from your past is that you need to give your parents grace they're carrying a weight and a burden you know nothing about and so when you want to get mad you want to get frustrated you want to pop off give some grace give some grace and some of you were raised in single parent homes and man there's things in you that you're still upset about give some grace act in forgiveness Let the weights of the past go. Why? Because they're hindering you today. And God wants to move and God wants to work. And so I'm going to hand this back over to Philip.